0: Greetings to the brightest audience in the country, and welcome to The Dominic Enyart Show. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Whenever debating an idea, it's worth asking your opponent, what would prove your beliefs to be false? What new evidence might I produce that would convince you that you are wrong? And if they are intellectually honest, they may give a thought or two and they might say, you know, here's some ideas, here's some things that would disprove what I believe. But if they are intellectually dishonest, uh, then they will simply say, there is nothing that could convince me otherwise, what I believe is true and nothing can, can change my mind. This is a valuable thought experiment, a thought exercise which you can uh, go through even on your own. You can ask, what are some pieces of evidence that would make me change my mind about what I believe on any given topic? What What do other people believe about this topic? What are the consequences if I'm wrong? Questions like these can help us to become intellectually honest. If you never even consider the possibility that you might be wrong about an issue, you are very likely intellectually dishonest. Even if you happen, happen to agree with me specifically, uh, but don't consider the possibility that you could be wrong, I will give you the label intellectually dishonest. Now, being intellectually dishonest doesn't necessarily mean you are wrong, but it does mean that you are intellectually Dishonest. The Apostle Paul, who wrote about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he was unquestionably intellectually honest. Here is what he said in his first letter to the Corinthians. Now, if Christ is preached, that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he has raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. And so Paul here, he makes the Christian faith falsifiable. He does what a lot of people even Christians are afraid to do. He takes a look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ and said, and he says, if Christ did not rise from the dead, then our faith is futile. And we of all men are the most pitiable. Then he goes on to say, but Christ did rise from the dead. And here's what we can learn from that. And so Paul here, he makes this claim. If Christ did not rise from the dead, then Christianity is false. The unstated flip side of that, however, is that if Christ did rise from the dead, Christianity is true and all other religions are false. Recently here on the Dominic Enyart Show, we've been going through our worldview series. We've been taking a look at concepts such as God, the Bible, morality, trying to piece together, you know, where did these all come from? How do they fit together? And we're just trying to make sense and put together the pieces of and the confusing aspects of the world. But I suppose in, uh, I've been taking a long roundabout way, uh, of looking at this because when you look at the evidence for the resurrection of jesus christ it's almost like a shortcut to the truth and so that is what we are going to do here today we are going to look at the evidence for the resurrection of jesus christ and now there's a lot of people who disagree with christians they say that jesus did not rise from the dead but there are some things that Even with those people about Jesus, we can agree on, Christians and secularists alike. Uh, The first thing that we can agree on is that Jesus was crucified, right? Jesus, uh, he was a real person. He was really crucified. He really died on a cross. And the secular world, they agree with this, at least the scholarly secular world world. And we can look at some secular sources to confirm. Just to start, we can look at Webster's Dictionary under Pilate. And if you recall, the Bible tells us that Jesus, he was crucified by a Roman ruler named Pontius Pilate. And if we look here under the the definition of Pilate, the dictionary definition, uh, we could throw this up on the screen, the first century Roman uh, procurator of Judah and Samaria who condemned Jesus to be crucified and so pilate was a real person jesus was a real person and secular sources agree turning to another very secular source we can look at britannica see what they say about crucifixion this is from britannica here crucifixion and an important method of capital punishment particularly among the persians the Seleucids, the carthaginians and Romans from about the sixth century BCE to the fourth century AD, Constantine the Great, the first Christian emperor, abolished it in the Roman Empire in the fourth century AD out of veneration for Jesus Christ, the most famous victim of crucifixion. And so there we see Britannica saying, yep, Jesus, he was a real person. He was a victim of this, uh, this method of capital punishment. And he was a real person. This really happened. And then under punishment, Britannica continues. There were various methods of performing the execution. Usually the condemned man, after being whipped or scourged, dragged the crossbeam of his cross to the place of punishment where the upright shaft was already fixed in the ground. Stripped of his clothing either then or earlier at his scourging, he was bound fast with outstretched arms to the crossbeam or nailed firmly to it through the wrists. This is rough stuff. The crossbeam, continuing with Britannica, the crossbeam was then raised high against the upright shaft and made fast to it about 9 to 12 feet from the ground. Next, the feet were tightly bound or nailed to the upright shaft. A ledge inserted about halfway up the upright shaft gave some support to the body. Evidence for a similar ledge for feet is rare and late. Over the criminal's head was placed a notice stating his name and his crime. Death ultimately occurred through, through a combination of constrained blood circulation, organ failure, and asphyxiation as the body strained under its own weight. It could be hastened by shattering the legs with an iron club, which prevented them from supporting the body's weight and made inhalation more difficult, accelerating both asphyxiation and shock. Crucifixion was most frequently used to punish political or religious agitators, pirates, slaves, or those who had no civil rights. In 1519 BCE, Darius I, king of Persia, crucified 3,000 political opponents in Babylon. In 88 BCE, Alexander Janias and Judean king and high priest uh, crucified 800 pharisaic opponents and about 32... A.D. Pun- or th- 32 A.D. Pontius Pilate had Jesus of Nazareth, uh, Nazareth, put to death by crucifixion, and so that is from Britannica, a very uh, worldly, secular, you know, almost anti-Christian source, right? I'm not going to a religious scholar, I'm not going to a pastor, I'm not even going to a Hebrew rabbi. I'm going to Britannica, which is extremely secular. Even in their dating method that they use, they changed the BC, which BC stands for before Christ, they changed that to BCE, which stands for, they say, before the common era. And why do they change it to BCE? Well, because they don't like that Christ is so central to the history of humanity that we use him even with our calendar. And they don't like that our calendar reflects him. And so they change the calendar to BCE before the Common Era. What is the Common Era? Well, no one really knows. It's a mystery. If you ever go to a historical museum, it's fun to do this. I've asked, uh, you know, the average enlightened tour guide, uh, you know, why, why is it that you use BCE before the Common Era instead of BC? What exactly is the Common Era? And if you ask the average, you know, Uh, museum tour guide, they will have absolutely no clue. They want to use BCE because uh, it gets them away from Christ, but they don't even know what that is. I've done that a number of times, and it's always uh, kind of fun. Uh, The real reason that they don't like using BC is that it mentions Christ in the calendar. And regardless, this goes to show that Britannica here sees itself as above that silly religion known as Christianity, And for our current purposes, this is an ideal source. A respected and trusted secular group, Britannica, uh, openly admits that Christ was crucified. And when we read this from Britannica, we immediately notice the similarities between uh, what it says and the biblical account of Christ's crucifixion. A sign placed above his head, for example, Uh, The death of Christ is not what is debated here. It is the resurrection of Christ. So we read there from Britannica, over the criminal's head was placed a notice stating his name and his crime, such as recorded in John chapter 19. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And part of how we know that the impact of uh, that his death caused was so severe, is that it is even felt today. Even today, 2022, it's about to be 2023. Even today, we remember his death before Easter on Good Friday. And even if you have, uh, well, especially if you have a religious agitator, like Britannica says, and uh, such as Jesus Christ, if you have a person like that and you are the Roman Empire. What is the very best way to magnify his message and to magnify it so that it is heard everywhere? Well, the best way that you can magnify a, someone like that, a religious agitator, there, you can magnify their message. The best way to do that is by turning that person into a martyr. And sure enough, that is exactly what they did. That's exactly what happened with the crucifixion. And when Jesus was crucified, that was talked about all throughout the world and that is still talked about to this day. So much so that even anti-Christian secularists like those are folks over here at Britannica, they know how true his death was. They report it. They record it as historical fact. And so we know that Jesus was a real person. We know that he was crucified. And when the apostles wrote that, We know that we can trust them. This is, you know, widely accepted by everyone on both sides. I mean, you can, maybe ignoring the, you know, random atheist in the YouTube comment section, every respected opinion on this matter, they all agree. Yes, Jesus was a real person and he was crucified by the Romans and that is how he died. Everyone agrees with that. That is not the debate. If he died, the debate then is... Uh, you know, can we trust the apostles when they said that he rose from the dead? Can we trust the apostles about the resurrection from the dead? And now, I want to take a moment to shut up some very dumb criticisms of the resurrection account. Some critics of the Bible they'll say, you know, oh well, these biblical authors they were very foolish. And they, they actually didn't understand that coming back from the dead was scientifically impossible. They didn't, they didn't understand that. And had they been more medically advanced, you know, uh, then they would not have made up this lie that, uh, you know, is, is, is just un, un-possible, impossible. And uh, they'd know that you can't actually come back from the dead. And now, this criticism is silly just on its face. It was well known that, of course people could not rise from the dead when something unbelievable happens or seemingly unbelievable happens that's when most people take note if something un- seemingly unbelievable happens it is going to be recorded let's say for example that you know next week that dinosaurs which have been extinct for you know quite some time now uh, they came back and they were ravaging new york city let's just theoretically say that happened That would be something so wild and extraordinary and unbelievable that, of course, we would record it. We would film it. We would write about it. It would be all over the news. It would be recorded. Then in this hypothetical situation, let's say that 10 years later, someone comes along and they say, well, you know, that couldn't have been true uh, because dinosaurs, they've been extinct for a very long time. They must have been lying and, and, you know, they didn't understand that dinosaurs were extinct right? That would be a very silly person. Uh, uh, Anyone who says that would be a very silly person. That is a very silly rebuttal because of course, we do know that dinosaurs are extinct. We do know that it's basically impossible for them to come back and ravage New York City. And so if we saw that, we would would record it because it was seemingly impossible. It would be its unbelievability that made it Uh, that would make us want to record it. And so, you know, great historians, they don't recall every single detail, only the important ones. I don't need to know that Lincoln, uh, you know, I don't need to know what he was drinking at that play. I just need to know that he was shot. And so with the resurrection, it wasn't that they didn't know that it was possible for people to be brought back from the dead and so that they thought they could get away with lying about it. It was, they thought it was impossible. They thought, you know, hey, rising from the dead, that's not possible. But we see this guy who, he rose from the dead. And so that's astonishing to us. And so we have to record it because it was unbelievable. That is why it was recorded. Of course, if they didn't believe that it happened, then it would not have been recorded. Great historians, they don't think, is this believable? And then they don't, you know, ponder if people will believe the record of it or not. And then if they, you know, they try and weigh the pros and cons, are people going to believe this or are they not, and then record it based on that. And I'm grateful that that's not how they do it. Imagine with a Holocaust, right? There's some historians of the Holocaust. Imagine if they had said you know well there are going to be some people who are holocaust deniers in the future so and they're not going to they're not going to believe this so let's just go ahead and just skip it and not record this i'm very thankful that the holocaust historians didn't care about believability and instead just cared about what is true what is the truth and so too with the apostles uh, who recorded the resurrection of christ so the apostles, they didn't know that resurrection was impossible. Uh, that's just a silly argument. It's, it doesn't make much sense because of course, previously they thought that was impossible and that's why they recorded it when it happened. The next silly objection that I want to get out of the way is this idea that Jesus, he wasn't really dead. He kind of just, you know, maybe uh, he faked his death. That's what a lot of, uh, you know, biblical critics will say. And then when he you know, came out alive. Uh, People just thought that he had been resurrected. Uh, But we know that this is not true for two, a lot of reasons, but two big reasons. First of all, the Romans were the ones who were crucifying Christ. It was the Romans who were doing this. And the Romans, they knew death and they knew death very well, especially with all, they had a lot of people trying to fake their own deaths to, you know, get out of the punishment. Uh, but so they knew death. They knew very well what it looked like. They knew how to identify it. They knew how to, you know, differentiate between death and sleep and death and say a coma. They knew these things. They were around death all the time. And remember briefly, we, we saw from Britannica that breaking the legs would hasten the uh, death of the cross. Um, keeping that in mind, I want to Read a record here in the Bible that says, therefore, because it was the preparation day that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate, and this is when Jesus was on the cross, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him, with Jesus, Uh, But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced him in his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out and he who has been testified, sorry, and he who has seen has testified and his testimony is true. And so they knew death, the Romans, they knew death. They were around it all the time. And then these Romans in charge of execution, that's their job is to be around this stuff. They saw that he was dead. And then just to double check, they pierced him in his side with a spear. It's some pretty intense stuff. But, you know, if you're being pierced in the side with a spear and you're just faking it, no, you're going to scream when that happens. That's just an involuntary reaction. But no, these Romans, these executioners, they concluded Jesus is dead and so pretty pretty clear we can see from that that we know that jesus did die and then the second reason that we know that jesus actually died is notice there that what we just read in the bible that blood and water poured out from his side when he was pierced so speaking of you know medical knowledge that couldn't have been known at the time by biblical authors um This would not have made much sense to write if you were just lying about this. If you were just coming up with a random story, uh, you would not have said, you would not have written it this way. Why would, why would these biblical authors, why would they have said that water came out of Jesus' side? Why not just say blood? We didn't know until relatively recently with modern medicine, what this might be. And it was either the, and I want to see if I can pronounce this right. The um, peric- pericardium, I think that's what, it, what, it, what it's called. It's either the pericardium was pierced, and that is a sac near the heart, which is uh, full of water, or it was the lungs which had been uh, building up water inside of them, and that can happen with a lot of beating and asf- asphyxiation like this. And then when the, the spear it pierced his side, that water came out. It either pierced one of those as well, and that water came out. Now, that detail wouldn't have been too common with crucifixions at the time because they wouldn't typically stab their victims with a spear. The reason why they stabbed uh, Jesus with a spear specifically was that he died relatively quickly compared to the other crucifixion victims uh, at the time due to mainly that Jesus was beaten very severely before the crucifixion and Typically, there were beatings before crucifixions, uh, but the one that Jesus got was especially harsh. And Jesus also got the crown of thorns, which caused extra blood loss, and he died much faster than normal. So very likely, they would have thought, you know, they didn't know about how severe the beating was beforehand. They very likely could have thought, you know, oh, he's faking it. He's trying to get down prematurely. And so that's probably a good reason why they stabbed him because they thought that he died sooner than he should have or sooner than they thought he should have. And then that results in this untypical detail, this detail, which you you don't see in a lot of, uh, you know, ancient Roman crucifixions that they stabbed him in his side and then blood came out, uh, blood came out of his side. That's not surprising, but water came out of his side as well. Now, that's a symptom, especially if it's in the lungs, of, you know, organ failure. This is not pleasant stuff here. The crucifixion is not pleasant. Either way, you know, we have proof here that Jesus died on the cross, and there's not, there's not really a lot of getting around that. You know, the atheist, the Bible, Bible critic, you know, you're correct that people do lie. People do lie. That is something that happens, but symptoms do do not lie. Symptoms cannot lie. And that would have, you know, that would have been a pretty impressive symptom for biblical authors just to make up considering they didn't fully understand human anatomy, how we do today. And now uh, we know that they didn't know about the anatomy. How is it that we know that? Maybe, you know, maybe they were just smarter than we're giving them credit for. Uh, Well, we have writings from the early church, which this is, authors preachers historians pastors and such and they were trying to figure out what this water meant and so they were asking you know why would there be water is it an allegory is a you know living water flowing from christ what what is this living water and these early church fathers they didn't even fully understand what this water was um they didn't, didn't know because you know they didn't have the medical advances that we now have today and so today when we read this and we see that it's recorded. This is just a medical record of what happened to Jesus' physical body, and it makes sense. And so could a man have faked his death back then? Yes, sure. But could a man have faked his death on the cross, fooled the Romans, and then shown a symptom that wouldn't be understood until thousands of years later? No, no, that's not really, that's not really possible. And so with these two rather silly criticisms out of the way, I'd like to dive into some evidence in support of the resurrection. And so what do we have? We have Jesus. He was crucified. Uh, We know that the apostles, they were telling the truth about that. Everyone agrees so far. Then the question is, did they lie about his resurrection? Did they lie about Jesus coming back from the dead? Now, this is a big topic, the evidence for the resurrection of Christ. I know there was recently a scholar who published a 5,000-page analysis on just the evidence for the resurrection of Christ. I know that's not a typo. That's uh, actually 5,000 pages, not 500 pa- pages, 5,000 pages, and so there's a lot to get to. And... uh Yeah, I'm not gonna read all 5,000 pages, I'll I'll admit that. Uh, But I'm just illustrating that there's a lot to get to. And we have been in our worldview series here uh, on the Dominic Enyart Show. We've been putting this up on YouTube as well. By the way, if you're on YouTube, make sure to uh, subscribe, hit the notification bell, like this video, comment your thoughts. All of those things help us to grow out of our baby stages here on YouTube. Uh, But so we are in our worldview series and uh, We're going to, as we are in our worldview series, we're almost going to begin a little mini series within the overarching worldview series on the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Maybe the next four or so shows here, uh, because there is a lot to get to. And so time flies when you're having fun. We're almost out of time here today. But I want to get to one major piece of evidence for the resurrection, and that is the violence endured by the apostles and so we know that jesus he died at the hands of the romans on the cross and we know that the apostles they did not lie about that but did they lie about the resurrection well we can look at the violence inflicted on the apostles as a starting place and so to start historically speaking let's try to form a little bit of a timeline here Uh, we know that the apostles they were not at one point they were not willing to face death when jesus was walking among them and so when jesus was with them he would always say you know oh you of little faith they were weak they were weak in their faith right G- judas he betrayed jesus peter specifically peter denied knowing christ 3 times on the night before his crucifixion when the, the when the disciples when they saw that jesus was being he was going to be crucified, they, what did they do? Well, they ran away. They scattered. And we read in the historical account of Matthew that when Jesus was arrested, quote, then all the disciples forsook him and fled, unquote. They were cowards. They did not have the courage of their convictions, which makes sense, right? If you're friends with someone and they're about to be crucified, crucifixion, the point of crucifixion was to terrify the enemies of Rome. And that was a very effective thing. So it's no surprise here that when we see Jesus is, is being arrested and then he's probably going, going to be crucified. It's no shock that, you know, these, the disciples of Jesus for a little bit, they were cowards. They said, you know, I don't want that. Uh, they ran, they fled, they betrayed Jesus. They denied knowing him. They hid, they hid alone, you know, just being like, you know, uh, you know, buckling up in a room, almost being like, "Oh, you know, don't, don't anyone here. We're here." Anything like that. They were cowards, and they did not have the courage of their convictions. Not exactly the type of people who who you would expect to be bold and loud and proud messengers on Christ's behalf. They were cowards. But then something happened. And what is it that happened? Well, it was something dramatic happened in their lives that changed them. Something changed them so dramatically that they became willing to die for their faith. They became willing to die to spread the message of Jesus. And what was that? What was it that changed? Well, whatever it was, it didn't happen until after the death of Jesus. And after his death, the disciples, the apostles, they then became willing to preach Jesus and loudly proclaim him, and they began to loudly proclaim his resurrection, right? The threat of Rome, the threat of crucifixion, that did not go away, Um, but these disciples, these apostles, they continued to preach despite the severe, physical, painful, potential consequences that were that they would have to bear for preaching, they, they said, you know what? We're going to accept that this could happen to us. We are going to do right and risk the consequences. We are going to do right and risk torture. We are going to do right and risk death. And they became willing to suffer both torture and death without giving up their faith. Not only willing, not only theoretically willing to do that, but they actually ended up doing that for their faith. And so let's take a look at what some of the disciples and apostles went through for not renouncing their faith. These are all martyrs here killed because they said, Christ rose from the dead. I am not going to take that back. And so Andrew, the but- brother of Pe- Peter, he was bound to a cross. Bartholomew, he was skinned alive and crucified. James, the brother of John, he was beheaded by Herod. Jude, he was beaten to death with a club. Matthew was staked to the ground. Peter was crucified. And cru- uh, Peter, when he was crucified, he actually asked, Can I be crucified upside down? Because I do not feel worthy to be killed in the same way that Christ was killed. So Peter, he's a guy who genuinely believes what he's preaching. Philip, Oral tradition says that he was tortured, impaled by iron hooks in his ankles and hung upside down to die. Simon, not Simon Peter, Simon the Canaanite, he was crucified. Thomas was impaled by a spear. Mark had ropes bound to his neck and was dragged through the streets until he died. Luke was hung on an olive tree. Matthias was stoned and beheaded in Jerusalem. James, the half-brother of Jesus, according to the historian Josephus, was beaten with clubs and was thrown off a 100-foot wall. Paul, he was beheaded by the emperor Nero. And I want to mention a little bit more about Paul here in a bit. Uh, Stephen, he was stoned for his faith. And if you read the account on that, they didn't disagree with him. They didn't say, you know, oh, no, you're wrong for saying this. And so we're going to kill you. Quite the opposite. They said, you know, we can't refute what you're saying. We can't, we can't show it to be false. And we hate you because of that. So we're going to kill you. And then he was stoned. And so these people, they went to their death, professing and proclaiming Jesus Christ. The same people who were before Christ's death, they were terrified. Those same people after Christ's death, they said, we will sacrifice our lives in the most painful ways imaginable for this cause. And so here is where the critics of the Bible say, you know, oh, the apostles, they were just lying and, you know, making this up for their own benefit. And I mentioned coming back to Paul, Paul hated the church at one point. He he persecuted Christians. He killed many Christians. And then Confronted by reality, he was changed and became a Christian him, himself. It's kind of a uh, really awesome story here in the Bible. And can you imagine what that conversation would have been like had this been a lie? Can you imagine what that would have sounded like, like, say, between him and Peter? And I got this idea from Mike Winger, who's awesome. Can you imagine Peter? He goes up to Paul and he says, you know, hey, Paul, you know, I, I know you've been murdering a lot of Christians as of late and stuff, but uh, here's an idea. What if, what if, what if you and I, we start, uh, well, you know, we we pretend to be christians and we start claiming that this guy Jesus Christ that he rose from the dead. Think of all the benefits that we could get from this. And Paul, you know, he's a little intrigued, and so he asked like, "Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What uh, uh what what are what are the benefits? Uh, you know, will will we become rich from this?" And Peter says, "Uh no, actually, you know, I've been broke this entire time and we'll probably will probably continue to be broke." And so uh, Paul he's thinking about it and he says okay okay well you know maybe we'll get some girls or st- something maybe we'll have some success with the ladies and Peter says you know uh, well it's it's not going too well on that front either and uh, actually we, we have some pretty some pretty strict rules on that stuff and so you're not gonna have much fun with that and so Paul's you know he's thinking about this offer of Peter's and he's kind of skeptical And he's like well you know are we gonna we're going to be like rock stars or everything is everyone going to is everyone going to love us we're we going to be famous and peter says you know well well kinda i mean uh, it's similar to being famous almost but you actually you will actually you'll be infamous and people will hate you and they will try to kill you everywhere you go and paul thinks about it and says you know all right i'm in the benefits they they're just <laughs> the benefits are just too too great i'm in let's do it let's lie about the resurrection of jesus christ and that's absurd. That's that's how these Bible critics portray the mindset of the apostles. When in reality, all the apostles gained by this supposed lie is painful deaths. That's all they got from it. All they got from this was a lifetime of struggle and hardship. And the Bible critics, they might say, you know, Well, hey, they wanted to leave behind a legacy, and they thought that this might start some worldwide movement, some religion, and so they were willing to go through all that just to be remembered. it's like, really? Do you really think that? Do you really think that? They all met up and said, hey, guys, let's be willing to be crucified, killed Uh, crucified upside down, beheaded, boiled alive, hung upside down by hooks in our ankles, staked to the ground, burned alive, skinned alive, just so that maybe, maybe, we're not even sure about this, but maybe in 2,000 years from now, they'll think of this really obscure, untrue untrue thing and they'll believe it and they'll believe in this movement and they won't even be thinking about us, but they'll be thinking about this dude we made up a lie about and well, you know, wouldn't that be such a funny prank, bro? Wouldn't that be a good prank? Wouldn't it, wouldn't, wouldn't that be rad, dude? Is, like, is that really what you, Bible critics? Is that really what you think the, was going through the minds of the apostles and the, the the disciples? No, of course, their testimony of Christ's resurrection is what made them even more credible, right? Their willingness to die by the most painful deaths without going back on their word, without getting any benefit from it, and they were willing to proclaim this. And so today, just from this one piece of evidence personally, I am convinced. Uh, but let me assure you what we've covered today is a mere appetizer in the banquet of evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we will get more we'll get to that more in the upcoming days. Uh, if you want to catch some of that make sure to subscribe hit the notification bell uh, to catch that the evidence the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ it is overwhelming and I implore you to believe